We want to see our people heal. That means Peruvians in Peru, and that's Peruvians wherever we find ourselves, right, in the diaspora. I want to see us heal. I want to see us be able to not just survive, but but to just be. Like, I think I've, I've even got to a place where I'm like, my existence is resistance, yes. Can my existence just be, right? Can I just be Maria, and can my moments, and can my joy, like, be on, like, I almost want to say, like, be untouchable. Hola y bienvenidas a Peruvians of USA, peruanos de Estados Unidos, un podcast en español, inglés y spanglish donde compartimos las diversas historias del inmigrante peruano. Mi nombre es Natalie Sofía y soy una chica peruana que vive en los Estados Unidos por más de 20 años. Welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast in Spanish, English and spanglish where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. My name is Natalie Sofía, a fellow Peruvian living in the US for more than 20 years. So let's get started. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. Hola, mi gente. Here I share with you the second half of my interview with Maria Saldana. If you have not listened to the first half, I suggest that you do. That's on episode 25, where we talk about Perreo Combativo, reclaiming the word puta, her path to defining herself as a bisexual hyphen woman, and also her charapa culture. Well, now I'm sharing the second half of the interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. My next question is around the protests that happened in November. I started with Merino no es mi presidente. What did that time mean to you? I was incredibly confused <laughs> at first. So on my Instagram, it's like I follow a lot of Peruvians, right? I have been very fortunate to find a community of Peruvians online. Um, a big part of that is because, you know, I, I did um, a takeover on Alegría Peruana. Shout out to Connie Chavez, and that's my hermana right there. Um, and, and from that, you know, I, I, I got to meet more Peruvian online um and so suddenly it was my Instagram was you know right people people just post some random stuff and then it was Peru 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 and it was like I was like so confused as to what was going on so one it was a lot of confusion then it was worry because I was like okay well this is happening so how is my family doing and my family was out in the streets you know in Iquitos marching and then it was it was pride of course to see to see our people out there and and like really showing up for for the people, right? Um, but I think what I also felt was just, I had never felt so far away from Peru in that moment. I was like, we're, we're in a pandemic. Um, this is happening. So um, not only am I fearing for for folks' safety in multiple ways, but but then I was like, oh, wow, even if, if you know, I want it, I can't even go, right? We're like, it's, it's not safe to do so. And then someone that I follow, uh, reached out to me on Instagram was like, hey, like a group of us in the diaspora are, you know, are gonna hop on a Zoom and we're gonna write a statement of solidarity as Peruvians in the diaspora. And I was like, okay, dale, put me in the, put me in the group chat. So we met up and that's how the Pumas Collective was born, an international collective of Peruvian immigrants, refugees, expats, and we're working with grassroots communities in Peru, specifically focused on marginalized folks and uh, those doing the groundwork in Peru for social political change and I don't think we we intended for it to be you know this collective um because it, it, it came out of this need of like okay well we're in the diaspora and we see our people going through this um and yet we're so far away so what can we do at first it was just going to be a statement of solidarity and now you know we have a mutual aid fund going um we've uh partnered with with therapists in Peru 
that that focused on um, like healing sessions for um, Black, Indigenous, queer, and trans folks there, and that that's continuing. So there's been a lot of like translation happening and resources because a lot of what I saw, you know, was coming from Peruvians, but it was in Spanish. And so um, trying to make things accessible. And yeah, I I was so glad that when I got that that message to to hop on that call because now we're here and it's been really beautiful to do that movement work and to, to work with these Peruvians. How does Pumas Collected connect to the organizations in, in Peru? Yeah, so um, from what I understand is, is right, a lot of it is members of the collective, you know, were like on Twitter and it was like, oh, these, these folks um, are on the ground, right? And, and they're asking for aid. Is this something that, that we'd be able to help with? What do we have in the funds? Is this something that we're able to support? Like financially, a lot of people have donated and, and you know, it's, it's such a, a labor of love that to do so and um, so folks can donate one it's on uh, the PayPal is is on my Instagram bio but definitely by following uh, at Bumas Collective on Instagram uh, we have a link tree there with uh, the mutual aid fund and you'll learn a little bit more about the collective about the work that we're doing and I'll definitely make sure we have links to that on the episode description for anybody who's interested where did you see the Pumas Collective in the next couple of years what is your your grand vision honestly Pumas is is I think well one movement work is happens very fast um, and it's usually you know a rapid response um, so so I think of like just just something that I've worked on which was um, academics for black survival and wellness um, which occurred over the summer so it was a bunch of um, you know a black counseling psychologist and and their colleagues who, who practice black allyship um, it was a rapid response and an intervention to to what was occurring over the summer um, with the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, and so movement work came fast. And, and I think the same happened for Pumas. And so right now, I think we're we're in a period of like that, like these questions are what we're asking as a collective, right? So where are our capacities? Um, where would we like to go, right? We're asking ourselves the same thing. Right now, a lot of our focus is on these mutual aid, aid funds because protests are happening um, and, and they continue to. Um, and then with Peru, oh my gosh. <laughs> These are like big questions, but I think honestly, I want to see our people heal. Like, and and um, that that means Peruvians in Peru, and that's Peruvians wherever we find ourselves, right in the diaspora. I want to see us heal. I want to see us be able to not just survive, but but to just be. Like, I think I've I've even got to a place where I'm like, my existence is resistance, yes, and I'm like, what can my existence just be? Right? Can I can I just be Maria? and can my moments and can my joy like be on like I almost want to say like be untouchable right from the rest of this stuff like I, I want us to get to this place where we're able to have these conversations and, and remember that it's not just one right so it's like um, conversations I've been having a lot in with my close relationships it's like and so um, you know our relationships matter or, like the nurturing of ourselves and one another to be able to like really be seen and heard like that that is what I want and and that requires, I think, a radical shift and a radical change, uh, a lot of radical hope. Um, but I, I know it's possible because our people are doing it. And, and I think we continue to do it in, in each way. It's right. Healing healing doesn't look one way. Um, and I think that's also why I'm really interested in healing. I want to see how people are doing it. Right. So for some people, it's perreo. Some people, it's marching. And some people, it's, it's you know, um, doing facilitations, healing facilitations. It can look in so, so many ways. But 
I want to see our people make it. The message of healing and radical hope like speaks so much to me and, 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 and just highlights what other Peruvians and their own platforms are doing, right? Like we have Connie with Alegria Pero Next. Like when I saw that, I was like, what? Like where you have been my whole life. I love her. I remember seeing Alegria Peruanics for the first time and I was in tears. I was like, what? <laughs> like, this is beautiful. This is truly, truly beautiful. I'm so grateful to be in spaces with Connie in this way. Um, we're in Pumas together. You know, like I, I see so many people doing the damn thing, right? This podcast being one of them. So major love to you. Um, I see Elena, you know, with Brooklyn Warmy. Oh, that's so beautiful. Like it warms my heart, right? Um, Angie out here constantly on Cholita New Yorkina, educating us, giving us joy, making us laugh, crocheting. Uh, who else do I see? I see my, my baby Bianca at Peruvian Durags with her music and her art. Oh, I could go on and on, right? <laughs> um, we're truly doing it and we're truly making it. And, and that brings me joy. That that makes me feel like, right? All of it is worth it. All of the, the things that I've been through to get to this place, well, the universe has brought me to this place. And now, now I get to nourish my relationships and now I get to nourish this, right? And I get to, to see and, and reimagine how I want to create communities of care, which I think are so, so, so crucial and important. Well said. Um, so I want to transition to some of the questions that the audience submitted. So I'll pick a couple because they submitted definitely a lot of questions. One of them is, what would life have been like for you in Peru if you stayed? That one's hard, I think, because I left so young. So I really don't have a grasp of what does life really look like there, right? So when I go and I see life, I'm going for a short period of time. And usually I'm going and I'm like, you know, eating out all the time and I'm with family. That was enough. Yes, that. So it's different than if I were to have gone to school there, if I were to be working there. So I, I don't think I have um, an answer to that question. I feel like I would still be my same, like, booty self. <laughs> I for real would be. Um, still doing some pendejadas, still still questioning everything around me, you know, like still still focus on love, still focus on my community. Look very different, of course, but, but yeah, I think the essence of me, you know, the universe, the universe knew. <laughs> All right. I was going to ask you about other Peruvian organizations. We did mention a couple of other Peruvian platforms, but I guess maybe something similar to, to Pumas that you want to give a shout out to. That's a good question, actually. Well, the Bonita Chola always does an amazing job educating us. <laughs> something that I have, uh, an account that I've recently come in contact with is um, Colectiva Shitiva Muralistas or something like that. Like it's a collective of um, Shipio women who are muralists and they're they're making art in, in Barranco Lima. And it's it's so beautiful to, to see. Um, and I know that uh, currently, I think, because Peru is entering um, quarantine again, they're asking for, um, I believe, funds and, and food donation, but I don't think that's the correct handle, but we will link the correct one, I hope. Yeah, we will. We will. Uh, I definitely have seen it. I can't think of the correct handle, but we'll be sure to share it. So here's a question that I'm going to change a little bit. The question is, what would you have told yourself 10 years ago? You mentioned earlier that you're in your early 20s. What would you want your early 30s, Maria? Like, what, what would you tell her or what would you want her to tell you? Oh, my God. 
Oof, I th- when I think of me in my 30s, oh, I got so excited. Um, I think it's because honestly, if you would have done this interview with me a few months ago, completely different answers. I think that I this pandemic especially brought me face to face with with all the grief that I wasn't dealing with, right? And it was grief of like my immigration. It was grief of, of oh my gosh, suddenly I was questioning every single identity I had. I was like, am I bisexual? I don't know. <laughs> like, am I? Am I? You know, do like why do I identify as as high femme, right? Like, what what does that mean? Or or what about oh my indigeneity? Still still navigating, right? Um, shout out to therapy for that uh, because it's been so crucial. But I think I was such in such a place of grief a few months ago, um, being so far from Peru that I feel like now um, you know the universe has done its work. I've done done the work, my healing work, and I'm still in my healing journey. That that I feel very much like stepping into my power where I'm seeing you know things in alignment with my spirit um, the people that have been brought to me the opportunities that have been brought to me the love that continues to find me um, I feel like in my 30s I just I just want this right like this energy of this this what I feel right now and I just I just hope it's like time times 10 right but not just for me I hope that like if I am evolving if I am succeeding well then my people are coming with me so my my friends are coming with me my family my community is coming with me because i'm not i'm not gonna do this by myself <laughs> um yeah my relationships are so important to me uh i i i'm excited i'm excited for 10 years from now i i uh have a lot of radical hope in that and as someone in her dirty i i do have to share that i feel more empowered than i did in my 20s i feel more in alignment with my spirit i feel more like i can fully express myself more than i ever could in my 20s i think every decade it just gets better 30s for me is is my best decade yet <laughs> so it's so much to look forward to that's so beautiful and i'm so happy to hear that for you that's gorgeous so let's not fear getting older ladies it's a privilege to get older <laughs> yeah you can i i'm seriously like i love aging <laughs> I love it. I feel like I, I learn so much. You learn so much every year, you know, every day. So the other question touches on spirituality. What spiritual practice do you have? So I actually grew up a uh, Mahayana Buddhist. So my parents are Mahayana Buddhists. And I remember when we got to the States, um, my parents were really questioning a lot of a lot of what they grew up with. They were like, well, we both grew up Catholic, right? And, and now I also think my parents are faced with a lot of grief and a lot of confusion coming to the U.S. You know, they were newly married. They had me. My mom found herself pregnant again with my sibling, you know, when she was here. Um, I have two siblings who I love very much. Um, but it, was, it I imagine, you know, like my mom was was my age now, right? Like in, in the States with, with kids. And, and I'm just like, I, I can't even imagine what, what that must have been like. Um, and so I, I think my parents are really questioning a lot. Um, and they found Mahana Buddhism and my siblings and I were raised uh, with a lot of Buddhist traditions and principles and I still very much practice it so I a lot of when I pray it's in um, Tibetan like scripture or it's in um, it's like mantras right so um, a lot of the deities that I do pray to are Buddhas um, but again I was raised Catholic in the beginning so my name is Maria um, and so that's why I also um, call myself Maria pero no Santa so there, there's a play in that because I feel so 
such a connection to La Virgencita. Uh, she's around my neck right now, and she's, I'm always wearing her on my neck. I feel very, very protected by her um, because I know that she she protected me since I was young. Um, and, and like, I have her name, you know, La Virgen Maria, I have her name. And so I think that I, I have a lot of spirituality in my life. I would say if someone asked me like what religion I practice, I would say Mahayana Buddhist, but I very much am connected to La Virgen. Um, very much connected to my ancestors. I, I know that my family is Catholic, and because of the indigenous uh, background, a lot of a lot of uh, influences from my abuelitas has been a lot of shamanistic uh, principles. So um, it's it's a mixture for me, but I I do what feels right, and I, I have a lot of faith in the universe. And it's so interesting. I think our ancestors literally that's how they survived, right? Because Catholicism was imposed on them. Like you know, here's the cross, and they were like, oh yeah, let's. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Just a different shape, right? And so it's almost like they had to tie their um, shamanist rituals to now this Catholicism rituals and traditions that was being imposed to them. So it's normal, I think, for many of us or as people to want to combine things and to want to like make sense of it by mixing things up. I just want to challenge the audience not to think binary. You can't, you don't have to just be like Catholic and not Catholic, right? Like you, you can bring in different things from different places and, and build your own like rituals of what's meaningful to you. Absolutely. And I also feel like how it ties into my bisexuality. And I think in that sense, I've never had a, a problem with it, right? I never was like, oh my gosh, did, did God not want me to be right bisexual? It was never that. It was more so so I, I think understanding that, oh, I came from the universe, right? And and that means that the universe is like pure essence creation of me was was a source of love, right? And so what, how am I loving myself and, and how am I being authentic to myself and to my spirit? Um, I, I didn't have an issue with that. And also I think we have to remember that before colonization happened, we did not have um, notions of, of gender in the way that we do now. We did not have notions of sexuality in the ways that we do now. It was very much um, colonization that pushed, you know, like male, female, heterosexuality onto us. Um, and and so a, a big part of it is also recognizing that, like doing my own, my own reading and investigating, you know, of like before before people said that, that you know, Catholicism was the way, how do people, how do people make sense of the world? Um, and so, yeah, honestly, colonization came ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last question from the audience I'll, I'll, and I'll tweak it again because I tweak it depending on the guests that we have. What advice do you give for a woman who is not in touch with her own sexuality, perhaps feels some sort of shame around it, whether it was because of the way she grew up or unfortunately women are still violated, their bodies are violated and so and, and that causes obviously a lot of trauma. This is hard because I, I look at my own journey with that and and I don't think that there's like a clear-cut answer. Um, I think, again, right, uh, I feel like whenever I still have doubts about, you know, sometimes questioning like my femininity, sometimes questioning that, and I just remember that I am truly a divine being. Like, I am truly, truly, truly on this earth, right? And and I think our purpose goes beyond the profession that we do and it, it comes again from like, okay, how are you loving and how is love finding you? And so a part of that is is sexuality, right? It can be sexuality. It can be, um, it can be 
so many facets of someone's identity, but it goes so much beyond that because I think that that healing involves a lot of self-reflection. And so I think a lot of um, advice that I give to people who are like downing it is to be one, be gentle with yourself, is to be patient, um, is to treat yourself with love, is to um, reflect inward, is to, is to be like, okay, like little things, right? Like, like when I do this, does this make me feel good? If yes, okay. Can I keep doing it? Um, if I hear this, does this feel good, right? Um, if not, okay, what what has to change? And and what happens, right? And like also being really, really in tune with our bodies about like, I remember hearing someone call me charapa and it was in a way that was, was meant to be insulting. And I remember what that did to my body and I knew immediately, mm, this doesn't feel good. Yet when my abuelita calls me, you know, a charapa woman, it's like, ooh, this feels good. So I think even being so in tune with ourselves I think we forget that a lot to just like slow down and to like really center ourselves um but I think that that that's part of it a lot of self-reflection which can be scary to do (laughs) it can be scary to like be like okay what what things about me to like feel good what things don't feel good and then when you find the things that don't feel good like it can be hard to know where to, where to go. So I think just being really patient and gentle with yourself. If you're able to find people that you can stand in your full authentic self with, you don't have to come with no, you know, no layer of like falseness. Find those people, like stick stick with those people because it, it matters. Yeah, I think that's such a beautiful message about understand what feels good to your body and getting in touch with your body, literally and not literally. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, And I think so many women go around feeling some sort of shame about whether how you look or don't look and um, and maybe TMI for the audience. But like, I think when I was going through that evolution of, you know, like even as just if you randomly ask a girlfriend, like, hey, are you able to stand in front of the mirror and just look at yourself naked? And like, how many people cannot do that? Right. Right. But I think I think also it's like, why is that TMI? You know, like why it's something ask because it, it's so important and I think that and it's not just about like look standing in front of the mirror and looking at your naked body right it's also about can I stand in front of the mirror and honor the person that I see right can I honor honor my heart can I honor my spirit because I think truly I always say that we are reflections of one another so we are reflections of a mode if I'm looking at myself and I and I'm loving who I'm seeing if I am um and I also want to stress that right I don't, I don't want to feed into this notion that you have to love yourself to be able to love other people. No, 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 right? Because I think everyone is in their journey to do so. And that does not equate whether or not you are worthy of love. No, absolutely not, right? Everyone's up and on their journey. But I do want to like emphasize that that we are worthy, that we're worthy of, of looking at ourselves and being like, damn, right? Like, oof, look at me, right? And, and that way, when I can say that about me, ooh, then I can say that about you, right? And I can say that about, other person other person that when we start doing that i think it really cultivates this this community of of love of care and i stress it so much because i think that's what that's what allows us to social justice movements that's what allows it to keep going this love ethic right like the work is important yes but so much of it is also self-reflection so much of it is also nourishing of communities so much of it is also um being able to to be open and vulnerable about about our needs and our wants i don't know 
why I want to touch on this, I think it's because, again, you trigger a memory when you mention, like, when you were called Tarapa and it didn't feel good when it came from a different person. But when your grandma, you know, said it, it's like, oh, yeah, I am. You know? um, it triggered a memory of when I think I was 11 or 12 years old and I was walking and going somewhere. And, you know, I the catcalling, right, that men do. Um, and I think for but when I was 12, I didn't look 12. I looked older. Um, but I remember that was like the first time I felt like somebody yelled at from a car or something. And I felt as if somebody had thrown dirty water on me and now I was suddenly dirty and I could not. And I, I if I could have been like this, like, like get off me type of thing, it, it was that feeling of like somebody threw dirty water on me. Um, and so your story of like somebody calling you Charapa and, and making you feel some, you know, negative about it kind of reminded me of that. Um, and all of this is to just ask your thoughts around how do we empower young girls to one really feel ownership of their own bodies but at the same time how do we protect them right like I, I, I just think of like some of my friends daughters as they're getting to be teenagers and I'm like people are going to start looking at them different and commenting on their body and that's just never like I can comment about my body and maybe when I'm with girlfriends close girlfriends and I'm in a woman's community yeah sure but it, it always feels icky to me when somebody who's not even related to me just like feels the need to say something yeah I I um would get that a lot when I would when I would visit Iquitos um unfortunately and it's not like I don't get it here at the U.S. but I I was I think when, when we spoke about you know what was shocking to you when when you went back to Peru it was that the amount of of like harassment that I that like women and femmes get on the daily and I think also something right like Peru has one of the highest rates of violence against women of when it comes to femicide when it comes to to um just I think we can we can extend it to violence in general and and you know that that is also those stats are also numbers that like we don't we don't know the full story when it comes to the violence against indigenous women or you know black women afro afro peruvian women we don't have all the accurate numbers and also what about trans women right like what we don't have these numbers and so i i think that one a big part is is shifting a culture of believing um folks who who go through a level of of violence right a uh, period like when someone comes to you and and they're sharing that they have undergone something like you know you're walking down the street and you got cat called and to have a response to it that's like i'm sorry that happened what do you need from me instead of oh because you were wearing this oh but, oh but that's just how you know people are people are here no 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 right one it's it's changing our response to it it's it's so important and i think also um i have three beautiful nieces that are all under two and so when i see them and i and i i just want to do everything in my power to protect them and then i'm also i also realize that like we, the children children are so smart and they feed off of their environment so if i'm saying things out loud about myself i'm i'm seriously on here like looking at myself and i'm like oh my god mosa but my little niece comes up to me and i'm like look at you hermosa. you are so strong you are so brave you, are, you know one it, it's it's what messages are we sending to our kids and and it comes from the media too right like why are we seeing representations in the media 
idea of um, why do they always have to be hypersexual? Like I, I see all, a lot of these shows on Peruvian television, and I'm like, man, where is is like what what else are we as women and femmes doing on the show except looking pretty? Like right, I think so much of it is the images that we're fed, and then also it's shifting shifting our own responses. It's also understanding that there are larger systems in play, like sexism and heterosexism that make made it so that that um, a lot of men and masculine folks are feel entitled to do so and it's like no that's not the case right so it, it comes from from a lot of um our own shifting and, and and that shifts our communities and and a lot of the education that we have uh yeah it's a lot of shifting a radical change right but but it's possible yeah yeah it's definitely possible and it's not um it's not a shift that only women can do we definitely need men and allies to help with this you know and and similar to you I, I worry about the young girls part of me is like okay well I went through that and I'm more empowered you know to like handle it and to deal with it but I'm like again just thinking of myself as a 12 year old and receiving those comments and feeling dirty when I didn't do anything right and so how many other women have that and even worse situations happen to them so thank you for sharing your what your thoughts are around that and as we wrap up my last two questions for you are what message do you have for Peruvians of Peru and what message do you have for Peruvians in the U.S.? I think my message is similar um, and it is to uh, do the work and when I mean work it is right um, do the the work of, of self-reflection um, because you're worth it you are we are worthy of, of being able to to reflect on ourselves um, the work also means you know uh, building community the work also means um, challenging um, and educating ourselves on notions of anti-blackness and anti-indigenous sentiments on transphobia and homophobia right really challenging those beliefs and those thoughts um, the work is also pleasure and joy it doesn't just have to be work and um, all of it coming from a place of love so I I am always um, I feel the most at peace and the most joyful uh, feel the most pleasure when I am surrounded by love and loving people and um, I just just to remember that right that that we are all we're a divine being like like truly and um, it doesn't just have to be that we have to survive right like like what what are we gonna do beyond this right so our survival is so important we are here our stories are so important um, to be able to stand firm in our truth is that is you know that that's a huge piece of it but but what but what next right so it's like what we're surviving in that world, right so where's our community where is where is our joy where are where are we loving um, where are we resting um, yeah just go home with that carry that in your heart <laughs> so if our audience wants to stay uh, in touch with you connect that follow you see your next site or what Pumas is doing how can they um, you know follow you and, and stay connected yeah so I'm uh, on Instagram so my handle is at momo underscore 2397 so m-o-m-o underscore 2397 that's me I do so many things <laughs> alright and so we'll add your your handle and Maria thank you so much for this conversation I've really enjoyed it this conversation about just like you know Bitarapa culture women's sexuality it's just needed to happen in the podcast and I hope you know our audience felt that they felt seen and heard and and that their stories were also reflected and us sharing with each other so thank you so much just wanted to take a break here to share that Peruvians of USA now has an online store 
Help us spread the message that El Mejor Amigo de un Peruano es Otro Peruano by visiting our online store. We also have feminine versions that said La Mejor Amiga de una Peruana es Otra Peruana or gender neutral versions. This could be the perfect gift for a Peruvian in your life. Visit the link on the episode notes or link in bio. All right, back to the episode. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.